0: This is part 2 of When Jesus Came to Hong Kong, the Derek Curry story. If you haven't listened to part 1, I suggest you do so before we go any further. Anyway, where was I? Oh yeah. In summer of 1972, Derek Curry left Rangers for Seiko, the new team on the scene. And no one knew it at the time but Seiko were laying the foundations for a win-fast, Dai young dynasty that would dominate local football for just over a decade. They were backed by the wealthy Thai Chinese Wong family and sponsored by the Japanese watch company which gave the team its name. And the watchmen, as they were known, made the financial backing count, bringing in some of the biggest names in the local game. Along with Curry, now widely known as Yeso, Jesus. They brought in his former Rangers teammate, Walter Gerrard, who was back from Australia. They were about to sign two Spanish forwards and they had an even more important player on the roster.
1: I remember saying to, to the Wong family, Wong Chong San, Wong Chong Po, I remember saying to him, there's a boy it plays with Tong Sing. I, I said, I think he's a good player. And I think he'd be good because he can pass a good ball and he can help me. He said, we've signed him. And that guy was Wu Kok Kong. Day Jai Big Head Boy is known
0: Wu Kwok Hung widely regarded as one of the greatest players Hong Kong ever produced he was a bandy and tricky number 10 who knew where the space was and where the ball needed to be he could score too though it's worth mentioning his reputation for being temperamental and only delivering the goods when he was in the right mood perhaps the kind of genius you could generously describe as mercurial this is Jack Trainer
2: Wu, Wu was um, technically he was very very gifted. The great feet could see a pass. What he lacked would have been the the, the physical side of the game. It, it wasn't one of his strengths, but he could certainly play. And uh, it, it, it well it has proved to be. It was he was a great asset to Seiko, and he was probably the best Hong Kong Chinese player that's been that, that's ever been.
0: With Curry, Gerard, and Wu, and the Spaniard Manuel Cuenca on the right. Seiko hit the ground running in 1972. This was a time of European players with long hair and mutton chops, Chinese players with beetle cuts, and in their light blue shirts with distinctive white chevrons and extremely short shorts, they were the cool new kids on the block.
3: Here's Jim Little. Seiko paid really good money. They attracted the best players available in Hong Kong, you know, the Wu got hungs, etc. But they were always a force to be reckoned with. But I, I always used to say when Wu got Hung decided that he wanted to play in a game, he was absolutely fantastic and Seiko played. You know, when he decided that he wasn't going to put too much effort in, Seiko didn't play that well, you know. But I say they always had the best local players and they always bought wisely, you know, for foreign imported players. <laughs>
2: Fai Hong who was the coach Chan was a a very easy going guy that kind of there was no real tactics, Chan was quite easy going and and I think with having good players in good positions things kind of looked after themselves to an extent you had uh, Derek on one side you had Walter, we had a a, a Spanish player uh, Manuel Cuenca on the right side who was very gifted Manuel Chinese players at the time. Fu Ling would have played centre half. Ho Son Wah would have played in, in midfield. They, these guys were regarded as the better Chinese players. Chan On Ping, very sort of good player, experienced player who kind of settled things down.
1: And you know, in Leicester history, we're one of the best teams ever. We used to have some great games against South China. You got the members. South China had a huge following and they were the popular team. And Seiko, and Jing Gong as they were called, were the new boys, the upstarts, you know, who had a good team. So if you weren't a, a South China fan, you were a Seiko fan. And we won them over because we won the games and we were a good team to watch. Seiko and South China were the two, the two teams with the big rival and they made some great games together, you know.
0: In fact, Curie's first three seasons were all about Seiko versus South China. Seiko were the new, moneyed, European-focused go-getters. South China, on the other hand, have been the first local team to break the colonial British stranglehold on local football when they won their first ever league title in 1931. They've pretty much dominated ever since. The Chinese fans love them. Round 1 was 1972-73. In a result that must have brought a smile to Curry and Gerrard's faces, they beat Rangers 3-2 in their first meeting with their former employer. Curry got a goal and an assist in that match, Wu scoring two. And just like with Rangers two seasons earlier, Curry and Gerrard made it to January unbeaten with Seiko. They won the Viceroy Cup that month against Easton. But despite the results, the side was constantly criticised for being over-frilly and playing like a group of excessively talented individuals rather than a team, and the defence still wasn't as good as that tooled-up attack. And in March, Ian Petrie exacted a small piece of revenge on his former charges, when his physical and organised Rangers won 3-1 to give Seiko their first league defeat. Three days later, Seiko lost by the same scoreline to South China in front of 28,000 at the Hong Kong Stadium, allowing the Carolinas to go top of the league. Twice in three days, a better drilled and fitter team had been the side's undoing. But in April, South China drew with Easton, and that dropped point meant Seiko were a point behind in second with seven matches left. Three days later, to steal the psychological advantage, the Watchmen knocked South China out of the senior shield in the semi-final. Then they beat Tung Sing in the final. Two trophies were in the bag and the league title was still in the balance. But in an exhibition match against Eusebio's Benfica, Curry took a crunching tackle from the right-back Malta, breaking his ankle. He was out for the rest of the season. Seiko made do, switching Manuel Cuenca from the right to the left and got to the final day more or less as champions. They were playing South China, who would have to beat them by seven goals to win the league. And though the Carolinas did win the game, it was only 3-2. Seiko were champions. The upstarts had beaten the city's most historic and popular side and Curry, along with Gerard, had his second league title winner's medal in three seasons. And... As the management sought to shore up the leaky defence, they would be joined for the next season by Jackie Trainer, who had been back in Hong Kong with Rangers and Eastern for more than a season. The Scottish trio was back together. For Round 2 73-74 After a poor start to the season, Seiko entered the final stretch in 2nd place. They were still in senior shield contention thanks in part to a 6-0 win over Police, during which Curry managed to both score a hat-trick and get sent off for fighting. Caroline Hill were top of the league, but they played all of their games, leaving them weirdly out of contention. Seiko had three to play, but South China, two points behind, had four to go. The last match would be another Seiko-South China decider, with the title actually on the line this time, and so with the senior Shield final. Seiko won the Shield final 3-1 with a brace from Curry, Seven days later, at a packed Hong Kong stadium, the two giants faced off with all to play for. Both sides were on 38 points. A winner would take all. But Seiko's superior goal difference meant a draw would crown them champions. The watchmen were installed as favourites. One South China official told the papers after the match that the predictions generated our boys to fight their hearts out. This is merely because we don't like to be looked down on. The Carolinas won 1-0. With a goal from Wong Man Wai. The old masters were back on top. Round 3. 74-75. Seiko wrested back the league title crown despite a renewed challenge from Happy Valley and from Ian Petrie's Rangers, who were brought in a new batch of Scottish professionals. In fact, Kwoka Ming and Chung Kaiming said this was Rangers' best team ever, boasting the likes of Willie Henderson, Hugh McCrory, Alex Willoughby, Billy Semple, and Jim Little in goal. Rangers, with faith in their ability to grind out results in massive games, were focused more on cup competitions than the league, and Petrie knocked Seiko out of the semi finals in both the Senior Shield and the Viceroy Cup. They went on to win both. But Seiko went top of the league for the first time in March a point ahead of South China with the game in hand. There were some jitters when they dropped a point against their bogey team, the brutal Eastern, and lost to Valley. But a 4-0 win over Jardines left them a point clear at the top with a match to go. And a double was still on the cards with an FA Cup final to play, but it was against the one team that seemed to have the beating of them in Cup competitions, Petrie's Rangers. Seiko lost the first leg 1-0 but a 5-1 win in the second was enough to secure the trophy. An easy 6-1 win against June Long, with five goals for recent signing Gus Edie, was enough to make it a double. Around this time, Curry's fame was opening doors, and he was busy on the colonial social scene. The fun-loving, footballing man about town was making some famous friends.
1: Yeah, we were in the, we were in the Lee Gardens Hotel, and uh, this, is, this is quite funny, actually, yeah. And there's, there's three of us there. I think it was myself, Brian Harvey, Gus Seedy, somebody else anyway. There's two big guys, tall guys at the bar. And they see us talking about football, and they come over. And we looked up, and I recognised him. This is 74, because a lot of people in Asia didn't know him at that time. It's Lord Stewart. And who's the guy with him? Lonnie Wood. Stones, right?
0: For any young listeners, Rod Stewart was a massive Scottish pop star, also known as a handy footballer. Ronnie Wood is most famous as a guitarist in the Rolling Stones, but also played in the Faces along with Stewart.
1: So we start talking about football and all that, and he says, uh, he said, I said, well, you want a kickabout? He said, you couldn't arrange a kickabout, could you? I said, okay, tomorrow. So the next day, I picked him up and we walked down a happy valley. And there's about 15 Chinese kids playing there. And it's myself, Lonnie Wood, and Lodge Stewart, and another, Gussie D, and another, a uh, few of the local boys, it's about five of us. Anyway, I said to all these young Chinese boys, they're all looking over, I said, Can we play with you? And they said, oh, Of course you can. I said, We've got a couple of new boys here, and we want to see how they are, if they're any good. So they laughed anyway. We played the game. And Lord Stewart was a good footballer and so was Woody. But a wee bit like Bambi and Ice, a wee bit leggy, you know. Anyway, the game finished, we walked back. And Lord said to me, there's something I want you here in the hotel and them. So I went to a hotel in them in the Lee Gardens. And he pulls out his cassette. And it was a Coventry of Scotland qualifying for a 74 World Cup. And I thought it was some song he wanted me to listen to. <laughs> anyway, he him the next day, I want to buy some silk dressing gowns. Do you know where to get them? I said, yeah, the Chinese Emporium. So next day I took him down shopping and we go to the Chinese Emporium. He, he gets a yellow one, a blue one, a green one, an orange one. He said, which one do you think Brick would like? I said, I, I, I don't know him that well, Nod, 'cause because his girlfriend's Brick Eklund and he's asking me which one would Brick like. And I goes, get a one of each. He said, a good idea. Needless to say, he didn't have enough money. He had to borrow 200 Hong Kong from me. So the day he's leaving, we go to see him. I give him an autographed Seiko shirt. And he gives me a 1974 Scotland World Cup shirt with his name autographed on it. And Lonnie Wood, would he see you there and all that. And I'm saying to myself, yeah, what about the $200? <laughs> I say, this will be a good story. He owes me 200 But fair play to the audience. He got up to leave. This says, Derek, oh, you 200, and he gave me a 200. But yeah, he, 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 people didn't really know him. Walking down the street with him, and he, people would talk to me, and they wouldn't talk to him, but he came back, I think about three years later, and of course, but then he was a big star with all his songs and that. But in Asia at that time, he, he wasn't well-known with the, the local people.
0: So people were coming up to you instead of him?
1: No, and they were just walking down the street. Well, people would shout yes or hello, and I'd, I'd talk to anybody, you know, and friendly with them, so... But they didn't recognise him, but of course, I think a few years later, I mean, they would have been talking to him and not me.
0: For Curry, and indeed for Trainer and Gerard, the 75 76 season would be a turning point. Gerard went full time as assistant coach with Seiko. Trainer left Hong Kong. Curry only signed a six month contract with the club, with an eye on a January move to the US, where players like Pele and Bobby Moore were playing in the North American Soccer League. He got that move and played for the San Antonio Thunder. But after a few months, he returned to Seiko, just in time to lose another league title decider to South China, then beat them in the FA Cup final. We'll call that round a draw. Soon followed spells with Bolova and Easton, where Curry would briefly play with England's 1966 World Cup winner, Alan Ball, and be managed by the captain of that side, Bobby Moore.
1: I'll tell you something about Bollier's story. They were playing a game at the stadium, and Bobby substituted Alan, right? After the game, Billy sent with a bar and we used to go in the after game and have a beer. Alan Ball walked in, got his boots and he threw them in the corner said, I won't need them again. And I don't think he was too happy with Big Bobby for substituting them. So they were looking at each other, but after 10 minutes they had their hands down each other, cuddling each other, you know? But he was a great player too. But one of the things, a lot of the guys at the end of their career Thought they could come in Hong Kong, and it was easy. It wasn't easy. The pace of the game was just as fast and a commitment, so it wasn't a walk in the park, as a lot of people found out.
0: Curry was also now eligible to play for the Hong Kong national team.
1: Sadly, I think my best years were my first seven years, but you weren't eligible to play for the national team until you'd been seven years. So I was selected. First and then they, and then he also included Davy Anderson, who was a great player, Big Davy. Sadly, passed away a few years ago. And we played in the Asian Cup in 1979 in Bangkok. And we should have qualified. We lost in penalties, five four to Malaysia. And uh, we should have qualified for the final. We get beaten the semis. But yeah, that was my, my first goal was with my head, and it was against that mighty nation, Sri Lanka. <laughs> we beat them five 0
0: Giants. <laughs> And how did that feel? You know, being like a Scot who come over. To- I
1: know because I I it, I felt more Hong Kong than I did Scottish. No, I'll always be Scottish. You can't change that. But I felt more uh, a Hong Kong person, and I and I still do in a lot of ways. Got my ID card here. Spent thirty four years in Hong Kong. I spend most of my time now in, in, in Thailand, but I come back and forward here quite often. But I always feel like a Hong Kong person, and even when I talk to people and they talk about football and all that, then they just make you feel as if you're one of the boys and that's the way I've always felt
0: so how did it how did they kind of wind down I mean I've read a lot about your arrival and and, and how things went oh uh, yeah it's it, it's
1: time catches up with you, you know and uh and you know you've got to remember in football it it it's it's a team game. You need a lot of help in a game. You know, And I used to get a lot of balls. You just put the ball behind the defender and had none on and score. But if I if I never got the surface, it was a waste of time. You know, but you get a wee bit older. But I finished with what I really savored with. I I finished with the a team called Eastern. And I left Seiko, 1980, I think it was. And we played them in the final. And they had Naninga and all the top players and that. And we beat them. Eastern, we beat them 5-1. And I scored. So that gave me a wee bit of satisfaction. said, I've still got it, you know. But 82, it was it was, it was a bit time for me in the tie. And I had my last game against Stuttgart, the German team who had Hansi Mueller and the Foster Brothers. That was my last game. And then I was fortunate because I was pretty well-known in Hong Kong and uh, Danish Beer Company. Carlsberg, right, okay. We're opening it brewery in Hong Kong and I was a man and I became Mr. Carlsberg and I, it was good because it suited Carlsberg because when I went into outlets, etc., it was easy to talk to people because they knew me mm-hmm. as, a, as opposed to dealing with somebody they'd never met before. So lots of good memories and a lot of good sporting events and I remember we even did we sponsored the Carlsberg Super Darts Darts was popular in Hong Kong and I sponsored that and one of the first guys I brought out and I was very sad to see he died a couple of days ago was Eric Bristol Eric and Maureen Fleurs came out and uh, we played at the China Fleet Club and uh, during the warm up I had a game against Eric and I have to say he did beat me <laughs> <laughs> but he, he was exceptional I remember taking Eric Bristol on exhibition after the, the competition we went to a bar in Choi called the Jungle Pub, and there was about 15 guys who were playing exhibition games against him just for the honour of playing against Eric Bristow. And I saw him twice when he had 100 left going down on one knee and going 25-25 bullseye. But he was, he was a gentleman, and we've seen all the accolades he got when he passed away in there. you know, He was a old crafty cockney. Great guy and uh, a wonderful ambassador for the game of darts.
0: After retirement, Quir was still organising superstar kickabouts.
1: George came here, bestie, and uh, he's he's a great guy. No matter, people make jokes about George, this and that, gambling or whatever. George was a gem. When I when I finished playing football, I had a social team. I worked for a Danish beer company, as you know, and. Uh, had a social team in the morning. We used to have a mixture of ex-professionals, some managers from UK or who happened to be in Hong Kong played for my team. And George was over with his agent, Bill McMurdo, who's incidentally, his agent for Iniesta Barcelona. Anyway, Billy's a, a Glaswegian and uh, I put him out at centre forward and I said to George, George, will you play in the wing, and we'll give your manager some good balls to score a few goals? He said, Derek, I can't. He said, I've got a game in three days' time. I said, if I pick up an injury. He was with Caroline Hill at the time. I said, ah, okay, George, never mind. And this is what he turned around and said to me. He said, I'll tell you what I'll do with you, Derek. I'll be the linesman. You know, twice European football of the year. Humble as you would get, you know. You know, you wouldn't get some of the modern-day footballers doing that. And George was a linesman. And we had a great game and a great day in Actually actually, McMurdo scored five goals, but he should have scored
0: 25. Curry, the man whose arrival heralded the beginning of the golden age of Hong Kong football, had left the pitch. For their part, Seiko had moved on, investing first in South Korean stars, then buying Dutch players like Dick Naninga, who played for the Netherlands in the 1978 World Cup final. All told, they won 40 trophies in 14 years, including seven more league titles, before being dissolved in 1986. We're near the end of the story, but I wanted to note the passing of a couple of our key characters. Walter Gerard Dai Soing Ao, died in 2014, age 70. His obituary in the Scotsman newspaper noted a well-known story about Gerard, which is worth mentioning. During one of those exhibition matches against Santos, the big man was substituted and noticed that Pele was being taken off at the same time. Gerard walked over to the greatest player the world had ever known and told him, Pele, these coaches don't know a good footballer when they see one. The piece concluded, revered for his personality as much as his contribution to football, for as long as they remember the water buffalo, Walter Gerard will be far more than a footnote in the history of Hong Kong. Ian Petrie moved back to govern in the 1990s with occasional involvement with Rangers back in Hong Kong. It's said that, over time, not really knowing anyone nearby and with his whole life in Hong Kong, he faded into drinking. The man who did so much for Hong Kong football, the controversial force of nature without whom this entire story would never have happened, died in obscurity of a heart attack in 2006. He was 74. There was no obituary, but Rangers, the side he founded and which still bears the crest he borrowed from the Ibrox team, held a minute's silence before their next match. Petrie had arranged for his Ashes to be returned to Hong Kong, where they are still interred at a columbarium in Chaiwan. The man from the shipyards, who worked on the docks, was laid to rest by the sea. And, looking back, the players who had such tempestuous relationships with their stickler of a coach, while they may not have liked him, have a measure of sympathy and respect. Here's Jack Trainer.
2: Years later, kind of reflecting and looking back, if it wasn't for him, none of us would have gone out there. So, in some ways, there's a a kind of acknowledgement that um, he was the man that changed our lives. Unfortunately, we never had that relationship where we grew to be friends. Ian would be described very much as a loner he took to to drinking and uh, uh well I, I don't know what happened to him later on in life but i certainly know that he took to drinking he was a very lonely man and football was his was his everything i think rangers was everything for him initially my feelings towards him were bitterness and anger uh, but but later on in life like you do as you get older you reflect and you look back and you think a pretty sad existence because I I, I think he was lonely and he took to the drink um, and I don't think at the end up he had many friends
0: and this is what Jim Little had to say
3: Ian Petrie and me never saw eye to eye a lot of the time but you know uh, I respect him for what he done for the football in Hong Kong by bringing in professional players you know Derek, Walter, Gerard, Jackie Trainer were the first real professionals to come to Hong Kong.
1: Walter, Jackie and myself were the guinea pigs. If we didn't make it, it would never have happened. And a lot of people who have came out later and had spells have said to me, I want to thank you because you were the guys that started it and it gave us the opportunity to come to the other side of the world and play. But the thing, it was the fans. The fans were just so passionate about the game. And that's what left me. It was just making the fans happy. We we played a game against Hamburg when they had the Uwe Seelah, Willie Schultz, I think it was about 73, 72, 73, Chinese New Year. We won the game 1-0 and I scored the goal. And about a week later, we went training to Shekel. We used to go down there and do a bit of training on the beach. And we're sitting in this little sort of yumcha hut where you have your breakfast after the game. And this old Chinese man spoke to Peter, and me could his Cantonese was pretty good, and he said to me, you know what this old man said? I said, no, no, he said, the whole village watched the game on the TV, he said, when you scored the goal and they won the game, everybody get drunk, <laughs> <laughs> and that meant more to me than anything else, because that meant you made all these people happy. And that's that's why you wanted to play football for the fans and give them something to be be proud of.
0: And there is still time for one last story. It involves one of the world's greatest ever boxers, marvellous Marvin Hagler, the undisputed middleweight champion from 1980
1: to 1987. I mean, I met Marvin Hagler in the Philippines, right? He said, where do you stay? I said, Hong Kong. He said, I'm going there next week, you look after me. I said, yeah, just give me a phone call and I'll look after you. Here's my number. Not think they would. Sunday morning. It's Marfo, oh, it's Marfin here. Is that Derek? I'm coming in this afternoon. Will you meet me? End up looking after for ten days in Hong Kong. Including <laughs> oh I was, oh, was just He said, What about these little boats? I said, The Star Ferry. We'll take that. So as we're going over, he says, Is that the Hong Kong Hotel? I said, yeah, that's a Hong Kong Hotel. Let's go and see Stevie. I'm saying, who? He said, Stevie. Ah, oh, yeah, okay, whatever. Okay, 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 I'll him, Okay. So we go in the Hong Kong Hotel. And Hagler gets up to the concierge. He says, can you tell me what the Mr. Stevie Wonders in? And I goes, wait a minute. And the young Swiss boy, he's only about 20, he's fiddling about with paper trying to flannel him off. Anyway, just at that moment, this guy comes over, marvellous, and they do high-fives. Stevie Wonder's manager. He said, you hey, come to a party tonight. It's a twins' birthday party. I'll be there. This is my good pal Derek, blah, blah, blah. So I took him to Austin Road to get a suit, and we go back to the hotel later, and we're having a beer. So we're sitting there, and they said, okay, let's go upstairs. I said, now, wait a minute, marvellous. You've been invited to the party upstairs, the twins, are backing girls for Stevie Wonder, and he'll be there. I ain't going. I'm going home. And then he said the magic words to me. You want to fight? <laughs> now, I'm not a coward. My oldest, older brother was a Commonwealth gold medal flyweight champion at boxing. But uh, I said, OK, I'll go with you. <laughs> we went upstairs. There's about five big circular tables. And at the end table... There's Marvin Hagler, Stevie Wonder, and me. It sounds like a joke, I know. <laughs> I mean, you, unless you saw the picture, people don't believe you. But uh, we're sitting there. And then we're eating, and you're wondering about Stevie Wonder. You want to ask questions, but you don't. And anyway, the backing girl starts singing. I just called to say I love you. So Hagler starts singing. Stevie starts singing and I said, What the hell? And I mean it from the bottom of my heart. Anyway, wait, I get home. I got a Filipino maid. She says, You're a bit late, sir. I said, I've been singing with Stevie Wonder. She said, You're drunk, sir, go to your bed.
0: This has been When Jesus Came to Hong Kong, the Derek Curry story. It was a Hong Kong football podcast production by me, James Lai. Thanks for listening.